welcome to another episode of Uncharted, the UN Watch podcast. My name is Jillian, and I'm the Morris B. Abram Fellow at UN Watch in Geneva, Switzerland. On December 14th, 2022, the United Nations Economic and Social Council convened a special meeting to remove the Islamic Republic of Iran from the Commission on the Status of Women. Hillel Neuer, Executive Director of UN Watch, went live on Instagram for a Q&A session ahead of the ECOSOC special meeting to discuss the situation on the ground and possible outcomes. A year and a half ago, in April 2021, the United Nations Economic and Social Council, that's a body of 54 countries, they voted to elect the Islamic regime in Iran to the UN Commission on the Status of Women, which is the UN Women's Rights Commission. It's a 45 nation body that deals with women's rights. And it's the highest women's rights body in the United Nations. And they elected the Islamic regime in Iran, the most misogynistic regime uh, perhaps in the world. Uh, Maybe they compete with the Taliban, maybe some other countries, but this is a regime that is killing women who are demanding their human rights. They beat Masa Amini, they shot a woman with 167 pellets in her back because she was protesting. So the idea that this regime would be elected to the Women's Rights Commission was something that I found to be an abomination. And I was surprised because this happened a year and a half ago, April 2021. No one said anything. There was silence. There was no word from France, from Germany, the UK, the US, Canada. All were silent. Everybody was silent. The human rights groups. The large human rights groups like Amnesty International, which does speak out on Iran, and Human Rights Watch, they do speak out on Iran, but in this instance, when the UN obscene election happened, a travesty of justice, this was an Orwellian act, and everyone was silent. That's where UN Watch enters the picture. Our job is to see that the UN lives up to its principles. And when that election happened, we were not silent. We exposed the election of the Islamic regime, the world heard about it and there were protests. My friend Masi Alinejad spoke out. She said, this is surreal. She said, a regime that doesn't allow women to sing a song, to dance in public, to ride a bike, that forces them to wear a compulsory hijab and many other acts of discrimination against women, whether it's the limitations that they have, discrimination when it comes to laws of divorce or inheritance and so many other things, that they would be elected to the UN Commission to be a judge on women's rights uh, was actually absolutely absurd. So we spoke out. And there was some outrage in the world, but it was a secret ballot. So we didn't know how countries voted. And actually, the only thing we did know was that out of 54 countries that vote on the ECOSOC, the Economic and Social Council, 43 voted for Iran. I'm gonna say that again. 43 out of 54 countries in April 2021 voted to elect the Iranian regime to the Women's Rights Commission. So only 11 did not vote for Iran. Now, we did some math because actually we figured out that there are 15 Western countries and EU countries sitting on this Economic and Social Council. 15, but only 11 didn't vote for Iran. That means at least four, maybe more, at least four Western and EU countries voted for Iran. We asked, who did it? Was it France? Was it Australia? Uh, I don't think it was Australia. Uh, My country, Canada, announced Ambassador Bob Ray, who's been a strong advocate for women's rights, especially for women's rights in Iran. He said immediately Canada did not vote for Iran. That was good, but no other country was willing to say anything. 
And when the Associated Press, Matt Lee, asked the State Department spokesperson, Ned Price, you know, America, do you condemn the election of Iran? The US State Department, back in April 2021, refused to condemn the election. They spoke in general terms. The spokesman said, in general, there are countries with poor records that get elected. This is a bad thing. But um, he refused. He was asked again and again, why? You're all asking why. Why, why did this happen? Well, the United States has had a policy uh, of appeasement under this administration, under the Obama administration, for the nuclear deal. The premise of their foreign policy was that this Islamic regime of Iran is going to make a nuclear deal, which they did under Obama, and Trump pulled out, and now there are negotiations to sort of revive the deal. And so the American administration clearly did not want to anger the Iranian regime. They sort of criticized the election, but it was very indirect. They refused to condemn it directly, and if the United States wouldn't do it, then basically no other country would. So there was silence on this issue. We continue to speak out. There were a number of uh, members of parliament back in 2021 who complained about the election of the Iranian regime, but generally the world was silent. Now fast forward till September 2021, when the Masa Amini, uh, when she was uh, arrested illegitimately and beaten and killed, and then there were the protests and the crackdown, we launched a resolution. And actually, and I'll be honest with you, I was uh, approached by Nazanin Afshinjam, my friend, who's a terrific human rights activist for Iran, who's been active for so many years from Canada. And she approached me, and she asked me my opinion on this. And I said, look, it's going to be so hard to remove the Islamic Republic of Iran because it's never happened before. This Commission on the Status of Women, based in New York, existing for seven decades, no country, to the best of my knowledge, has ever been removed. There is no procedure. Unlike at the Human Rights Council, you all know about the Human Rights Council, a few weeks ago we had a special session on Iran for the first time, something that we called for, actually, it was Nazanin Afshinjan and Ahmed Batabi, uh, who represented 50 Iranian activists back in September 2009. We brought them, they spoke before the Human Rights Council, they called for an emergency session that was ignored for uh, 13 years. And finally, we held the special session and we created the fact-finding mission, and I'll say a few more words about that in a moment. But at the Human Rights Council, there is a provision in Resolution 60-251, Article 8, there is a provision to remove a country that commits gross and systematic human rights abuses. And in 2011, we spearheaded the campaign to expel Gaddafi, and he was expelled. And we did the same with Vladimir Putin in April, only the second time in the history of the Human Rights Council where a second country was removed. Gaddafi in 2011, Vladimir Putin in April. So fast forward to the Commission on the Status of Women. It never happened before that a country was removed. There is no procedure. The Human Rights Council has a provision, Article 8. This is what you need to do, you need two-thirds. The ECOSOC has no provision. So I told my friend Azadi Nafshinjam, there is no provision, so I think it's gonna be very hard. Here's how things work, my friends. Ambassadors at the UN, governments at the UN, they like things that are quiet, they do deals under the table, behind the scenes, they like you know, letting every country get elected, and they don't like to make a fuss. Everyone is happy to go along to get along. So I told Nazanin Afshinjam, I said, if you want to remove the Islamic Republic of Iran from the Women's Rights Commission, known as the Commission on the Status of Women, the CSW, it's going to be so hard, okay? Because to begin with, countries don't like removing anyone, any members. I mean, even the Human Rights Council, which has a provision to remove a country, 
It only happened twice in two decades. Libya in 2011, Vladimir Putin in uh, 2022. So I said, it's gonna be really hard to happen. I said, almost impossible. But as I began thinking about it, I said, you know, let's at least put it on the map. So we drafted a resolution and, you know, legally, I'm a lawyer and I looked at it and I said, look, the ECOSOC, they have the power to elect countries, it's by secret ballot, but if, if the same parent body has the power to elect a country to the Women's Rights Commission, they have the power to remove the country. That, logically, that has to exist. And so I drafted a resolution. UN Watch put forward a resolution, it's a couple of pages, you can see it on our website, uh, unwatch.org slash Iran. You can find the resolution that we drafted. And eventually, you know, this group Vital Voices picked it up and people like Nazanin Boniani were outspoken. She came here to Geneva and spoke at the Geneva Summit for Human Rights, which we're a big part of. And she sat next to me at the United Nations and she said, how can Iran, the regime in Iran, be elected to the Women's Rights Commission? It's absolutely absurd. She, she spoke out. And you have these terrific women's rights activists, Iranians in New York right now. They were in Geneva a few weeks ago. Gisu is one of them. And Nazanin, the actress, and several others, and they're doing amazing work meeting with governments and lobbying. And you had this full-page ad, and then the Vice President of the United States got on board, and then Melanie Jolie, the Foreign Minister, the Canadian Deputy Prime Minister, Christopher Freeland, and the New Zealand Prime Minister got on board, and many women's leaders, and Malala and others, and there was this full-page ad, and it got on the map. And the US Vice President said, we're gonna do it, and they requested a meeting. They put in their own resolution, it's very simple. It says that we call to remove Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran, from the Commission on the Status of Women. And they requested a meeting. Many of you have asked, why does it matter? Who cares, what does it matter? And I think for a lot of you following it, a lot of you who clicked on our petition, which you can find at unwatch.org slash Iran, it does matter. You know, when the United Nations elected the Islamic regime, it sent a message. Did it have any concrete meaning? Did it give the Islamic regime great power? The UN Commission on Women's Rights meets once a year. They adopt consensus resolutions. It didn't really change the balance of power in a significant way, but it sent a message. And the message was that the world has no problem with this disgusting regime that kills women, that beats them, that rapes them, that tortures them, that blinds them, that kills them, has no problem making them a judge on women's rights. That was the message that was sent a year and a half ago. So because of the special session that we had a few weeks ago, the world sees that Iran is being condemned. The world sees that Iran is being investigated. It's the beginning. It's the beginning, ultimately, the goal of the world has to be to end this regime. This is a regime that is murdering its people. We need to end this regime. And as I've said repeatedly, I said at the United Nations, we need to sanction the killers. We need to expel their diplomats. We need to pull our diplomats from Tehran. We need to designate the IRGC as a terrorist entity. We need to stop the children of the regime going to my country, Canada, or Switzerland, or the UK, where they're received openly and are allowed to buy property and to take the money that they exploited from the Iranian people and, and use it um, to buy refuge in Western countries that their parents condemn every day. So there's hypocrisy there. And meanwhile, Iranian refugees, real refugees, from the regime have a hard time getting accepted an asylum in these same countries. So that has to end as well. So all of these things need to happen. Let me look, go to some of your questions. Nasli and many others asked, what are the consequences of expelling the Iranian regime from the commission? So the first thing that will happen is they'll be removed. 
It's going to happen basically right away. And in my opinion, the main consequence will be be shut off. Be shut off. The world will be saying, you have no honor, you have no dignity. Shame on you to the regime in Iran. And that's what the people in Iran are saying to the regime in front of their faces, be shut off. This is what the world will be saying to Iran, and I think it's very powerful. And the Iranian regime is fighting it. They, one of the reasons that they put out the fake story that was picked up by the New York Times and others, that they abolished the morality police, is to send a signal to the world, you don't have to worry anymore. There's no more discrimination in Iran. We took care of the problem. This is propaganda. And so many of you called out the media who didn't do fact-checking and repeated this fake narrative. And again, Iran is fighting it. They uh, tried to change, to say that they're changing the rules. They put out stories. There was a story the other day in government propaganda media that Iranian women students are complaining about this because they think everything is wonderful in Iran and they want the UN to visit. Well, the UN would be happy to visit actually, but, but the Iranian regime doesn't let the UN visit. They don't let the UN special rapporteur visit. So that was kind of ironic. They said, oh, the commissioners should visit. Guess what, Islamic regime? You've never let anyone visit. You've never let the UN rapporteur visit. The only one you invited to visit Iran was the UN expert on sanctions, a mandate that you created. The Islamic regime with the non-aligned movement cynically in 2014 created a, what I call a fake mandate to condemn Western sanctions as human rights abuses. And the person who holds the job, her name is Alina Duhan from Belarus, she's state funded. I wrote about her, you can see my recent posts on my highlight story about Alina Duhan, she's fake. She's an apologist for dictators. She visited Syria and said Syria is a victim. She visited Venezuela, she said Venezuela is a victim, Zimbabwe. This mandate and this person are propaganda, complete fakes. And so the Iranian regime invited her earlier this year to visit. And guess what? People were being killed in Iran. She didn't say anything. She put on the hijab and in a press conference she said, the Iranian regime is a victim and the West is to blame for everything. And then they, the regime took her words and made posters, recycling their own propaganda. We revealed that she got $200,000 from China in the same year that she said that everything is great in Xinjiang. Let me talk about the fact-finding mission. Marjan asks, when will the fact-finding commission commit, begin, and how can it prevent future human rights violations? Uh, let me say a word about the fact-finding mission because a lot of you asked about that. So, two completely different things, right? Just so you know, the Human Rights Council is a 47-nation body in Geneva. It voted to create a fact-finding mission. The best thing that they can do is to collect evidence. The Iranian regime will not let this uh, body visit. They will deny entry to them. They've already announced that. They're not going to cooperate. I hope that various Iranian human rights groups based in America, based in Europe or elsewhere will do the job of helping individuals submit testimony, collecting them and then passing it on to the UN in a way that, that the UN, they'll be most effective. And I know many of you are asking me, what can we do now? People are being killed now. People are being tortured, raped, blinded, beaten now. What can we do? And I'll be honest with you, I can only tell you what, what we're doing, and I don't have all the answers. We're doing our part at the United Nations so that the UN will do as much as it can do to send the right signals. The UN is not gonna send troops. I think that they have to do the minimum things they can do. Masi Aminijad has said, we're not asking you to save us from the regime. We're asking you to stop saving the regime. So the problem is that when you have the US administration, uh, Secretary Blinken just a few days ago, and the British government and others saying, we want to negotiate with the regime for the nuclear deal. What does that mean? You're saying you need an interlocutor, that's the regime, so you want the regime to stay in power. 
If you wanted to negotiate a nuclear deal, and how could you negotiate with people who are murdering their own people? How can you trust them? I think it's completely absurd. It's a terrorist regime. You know, as the people of Iran said, Suleimani was a terrorist, and Ayatollah Khamenei, the Supreme Leader, is a terrorist. The people of Iran said it bravely, repeatedly, not just now, they said it a year ago after Suleimani was killed. They said it in the streets. So the Western countries need to understand, and that's worth speaking out, that it's a terrorist regime. You can't keep saying we're going to negotiate, because when you say we're going to negotiate, you give them power, you give them legitimacy, and you say that you want them to remain. Because if you didn't want them to remain, you wouldn't be wanting a deal from them. So there's a very strange dynamic going on. So what we're calling for, and I think what all the activists are calling for, is to expel the diplomats from Geneva, from Paris, from London, from Berlin, from all across the world. Pull our diplomats back. If they're executing protesters and we just had the second, we have to send a message. The Ayatollah is looking at us. So we need to expel the diplomats. We need to designate the IRGC as a terrorist entity. As I said, take action against the children of the criminals who are in our Western countries, exploiting the money and then reaping the fruits. Whatever actions we can take to help the Iranian people to end this regime, the regime has to be ended. What will the impact of sending the diplomats back be? Again, if you have the diplomats, first of all, many of the diplomats that are here are spies and are, are assassins and are there to help murder people, and blow people up. So certainly sending the diplomats away from, from here, I think, sends a powerful message and isolates the regime and it stops them from being able to do their manipulations and their terrorism around the world. So I think that's very important. One question that was asked was, if Iran is removed from the Women's Rights Commission, will that make them any less engaged? Maybe you can't hold them to account anymore. You know, that could be true in some UN bodies, but the, the Women's Rights Commission was not doing that at all. They were never holding Iran to account. The only country they ever condemned was Israel. So the Iranian regime and its allies would, would hijack this commission to go after their enemy, Israel. But Iran was never held to account. So that will not change anything. They were not being criticized. They were not being examined. So you don't have to worry about that. Someone asked, now that Iran is being removed, will Iran take action against women, more, more crimes against women in Iran? I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't think that will happen. I think the international community has to be strong. And weakness is what invites aggression. And taking a strong stand and pushing back is how you confront dictators. Winston Churchill taught that to the world. When Hitler rose up in Germany, he said, if we're being passive and appeasing, you're just feeding the appetite of the beast. And you need to push back. And that's the only message that dictators understand. So I'm going to wrap this up by saying thank you for your support. Thank you for following. Please continue to share our stuff. We're going to do whatever we can to help. I know it's not enough. I know if you're in Iran and, and, and people are being beaten and tortured and killed, whatever we're doing is not enough. I know that. Uh, but we're trying to do as much as we can. By an overwhelming majority of 29 votes in favor, 8 against, and 16 abstentions, the Islamic Republic of Iran was removed from the UN Commission on the Status of Women. For more information on how UN Watch spearheaded the campaign to expel Iran from the top women's rights body, go to unwatch.org Iran. Thank you for listening to Uncharted, the UN Watch podcast. See you next time.